Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you might go. We're going to continue our worship now in the preaching of God's word, and we're going to continue in our true contentment series. Last week, we finished the topic of talking about true contentment in the simplicity. This week, we're going to talk about true contentment in God's higher way. Now, the reason that we're talking about this is because this concept is literally the foundation of our interrelating with God. And so because of that, we're going to focus on this statement today, that true contentment comes when we acknowledge God's higher way that leads to healing. Now, if you're like myself, you might not consider yourself someone in need of much healing. But when we are talking about healing, we're talking not only about physical relief, but the restoration that Jesus brings to all areas of our lives as a result of sin. This includes healing of the damage that comes to our psyches, meaning our minds and our emotions, as well as to our relationships and to our bodies. And ultimately, we see that Jesus brings an eternal healing to our souls. So today, we're going to break this into three parts. We're going to talk first about our need for healing. Secondly, we're going to talk about the challenges to healing. And then finally, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, our great healer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today that shows us that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways higher than our ways. Help us to embrace that fact today that we might come into your healing in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So let's start with talking about our need for healing. True contentment flows when we acknowledge our need for healing. And this was clearly seen in the life and ministry of a man named Elisha, who was, again, an Israeli prophet who lived about 800 plus years prior to Jesus Christ. And in this particular instance that we're going to pick up in, he met with this man named Naaman who was desperately in need of the healing of God. So let's open our Bibles today to 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It said, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, which at the time was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel where Elijah lived and ministered. He, meaning Elijah, would cure him, meaning Naaman, of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is make, seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, 
that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, what we see immediately from the scripture is the reality that you can have great success in life, yet still be desperately in need of healing. This was Naaman's case, and it's definitely ours today. Naaman was a great and mighty man of valor, and as commander of the army of the king of Syria, Naaman was in high favor because God himself had given Naaman victories in his battles. Yet Naaman, at that point, did not yet know or serve the Lord. Now, this is an important theological point for us to embrace because we see that God allows victories even for those who don't acknowledge him for his overarching plans throughout history. Now, this is a great encouragement to you if you've ever thought to yourself, why are there certain rulers, officials, or government leaders in positions right now? Why would God allow that? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that as we see in this scripture, God has times of reckoning to bring even the great into moments of repentance and faith. And despite all of his great success, Naaman's leprosy was part of his moment of reckoning with the Lord. Now, if you're not, if you're not familiar with what leprosy is, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines leprosy for us as a chronic infectious disease caused by a mycobacterium affecting especially the skin and peripheral nerves and characterized by the formation of nodules and macules that enlarge and spread accompanied by loss of sensation with eventual paralysis, wasting of muscle, and production of deformities. Now, we're not particularly sure what type of leprosy Naaman had, but we do know that it was an infectious disease affecting his skin and his nerves. Now, though his condition was physical, there's also a spiritual parallel that all of us can identify with. Through our separation from God, our consciences actually become seared and deadened by repetitive wrongdoing so that we no longer have the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. You see it in our daily interactions with one another. For example, the very basis of international law crimes, law and crimes against humanity, has its foundations in the value of all human life, which itself is a derivative of the Judeo-Christian ethic that all humanity is made in the image of God. Neither scientific materialism nor liberal humanism can be credited as a pedigree of this thought. It has a theological history. 
When divorced from the source of this Amago Dei, which means image of God reality though, we find that situations like the Ahmad Arbery shooting can actually take place in a nation just like ours. Undercurrents of discrimination, bigotry, and racial profiling are a part of the sickness ingrained in humanity separated from the God of all mankind, the God of love. And being separated from God leads to a loss of spiritual awareness and sensitivity. It's an inner sickness and is what the Bible describes as us being dead in our transgressions and sins and is in fact why each and every one of us, no matter how we've grown up, where we've grown up, or with what religion we grew up, need to be born again. Now, it matters not only to our eternal destination, but it's also a great impact. It has a great impact on our daily experience. Martin Luther King Jr. in his piece, Why We Can't Wait, expressed it this way. He said, we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And the sad thing is, is that when we don't embrace this, we don't understand the fact that we all both inflict and receive pain in the fallen world in which we live. We have a natural proclivity in the midst of that pain, though, as human beings to try to avoid that pain. And when we can't, we try to dull and deaden any part of us that feels that pain. American psychiatrist and author of the book, The Road Less Traveled, Morgan Scott Peck, stated that the avoidance of pain is the beginning of all unhealthy behavior. The trouble is, is that avoiding pain can cause more problems than good in the long run. It is the avoidance of pain that is the root of destructive life patterns that we see expressed in substitutionary outlets like addictions. Now, there are many types of addictions to which people succumb in attempting to numb their pain. And some of you who are listening even today may be trapped in some of them even now. We readily think of addictions like drug abuse, the pursuit of illicit sexual encounters, alcohol dependence, and uncontrolled gambling as harmful. Yet, there are equally nefarious addictions that our culture tries to normalize even as they have similar detrimental effects. Let me give you an example. At one point, former basketball star Lamar Odom seemed to have it all. He was a two-time NBA champion with the LA Lakers, married to Khloe Kardashian, and had a reality TV show documenting their lives. Yet Odom's entanglements with pornography, alcohol, and drug addictions led him to losing it all. On a site called Covenant Eyes, Odom recently posted specifically about his struggle with pornography, which is physiologically poisonous to libido and known to have links to things such as ED in men. Odom said he was so hooked on pornography that he would need to get in one more scene each day before heading to practice late, knowing that each time that he was late, he would, have, he would be monetarily fined, but it didn't matter to him. He was bound by sin, and because of this and other addictions, would lose his family 
as a result. This is what spiritual leprosy looks like. Though providing momentary relief, these habits simultaneously destroy intimacy and trust with our closest family, friends, and even romantic interests. The problem will always be that when we try to simply avoid or cover over our pain, it's merely a temporary solution. Left unchecked, the pain continues to fester and usually comes back with a greater vengeance. It results in our inability to connect effectively with others and unravels other aspects of our lives along the way. But thanks be to God. Remember that through the gospel, Jesus comes to set us free. And God wants to deliver us, heal us, and usher us into the kingdom of his righteousness, peace, and joy that can only come by the power of his Holy Spirit. Yet to do so, we have to acknowledge our challenges to healing. Now, when we speak about challenges to healing, we need to understand that we can miss true contentment when we resist God's prescription to healing. What we need to embrace is that our challenge to healing is actually pride. And conversely, the great solution to accessing God's healing is humility. If you're in the medical community, as I know several of you who are watching are, one of the greatest frustrations that I'm sure you face is when you deal with people who consider themselves experts in their treatments because of one of two things. Number one, they might consider themselves an expert because they recently read a WebMD article and think that they can now diagnose themselves better than you. I have to admit, I've been guilty of this. I'm sorry. Number two, they have an expertise in some other area of life like business or law and now think they have the same competence in regards to their health. Yet social commentator Ravi Zacharias actually said this, that we have a right to believe whatever we want, but not everything we believe is right. For the medical community, these frustrations continue as um, it's, we, you may sometimes see that you know exactly what's ailing your patient. Know that they'll get better through your prescribed treatment, but they refuse to follow your instructions and complain as they suffer about through their continued ailment. As a physician, my father would describe without names scenarios like this all the time as I grew up in his home. And when I became a Christian, I began to understand that this is exactly how God feels towards us, having the prescription for our healing, but having us resist him along the way to receive it. Now, in this second Kings passage that we just read with Elisha and Naaman, we see that people most often focus on Naaman and Elisha. Yeah, there's another important part of this lesson to enjoy. This passage is also a fantastic story of redemptive pain and divine placement. What do I mean by that? We see that Naaman's wife had a servant girl who was removed from Israel during one of the Syrian raids. And she was one of the people of God, yet she was captured. This undoubtedly provided the girl great pain. However, this divine placement was the very thing that God used to show Naaman mercy, bringing about his healing. 
And in this way, the girl was somehow a foreshadowing of the redemptive sufferings of Christ on behalf of Naaman. Yet we have to ask ourselves a question. If she had the choice, would this girl have chosen this divine placement and redemptive pain for herself? Or what about us? Would we choose this for ourselves if we were placed in an equally uncomfortable position to help a coworker or a neighbor? Well, you want to ask yourself how similar scenarios are playing out in your own story. Just like the Israeli girls, your testimony being shared is going to be important to the healing of those who do not yet know God. And in this context, the answer to Naaman's affliction came from an unexpected and an undesirable source. As commander of the army, Naaman was more than likely used to having all the answers. And for some of you who are watching today, you might be a captain of your own industry and used to having the, all the answers in your own field. You might be a leader, a CEO, or a manager in your particular locale. Yet now, the answer for his healing, Naaman's healing, came from one of his servant girls. And in this instance, Naaman was wise enough to receive it. The question is, when you finally recognize your need for healing, will you be open to receiving the word of the Lord? Or will you miss the healing of God because you think that it's coming from those you think beneath you, socially, financially, or academically in their present station of life? Don't be trapped by your own pride. Naaman had an expectation, though, of how God should heal him by the hand of Elijah. Naaman thought that God should heal him on Naaman's terms. And how often do we have the same attitude? We realize that we need healing, but we want God to heal us in our way, on our time, with the people that we want to relate with and in the manner in which we want to go about it. Yet, if we're going to find healing, we've got to humble ourselves to come according to God's higher way. God told Naaman to dip in the water of the Jordan through Elijah. Now, the Jordan, if you know anything about the area at the time, was seen as unclean. And in Naaman's mind, it was beneath him. That may be how you, in need of healing, have looked at the Bible, previously considering it too narrow, rigid, or even superstitious. That only may be the case in your opinion, though, because you haven't read it. There was an academic named R.C. Sproul who actually talked about our relationship with the Bible and what's found in it this way. He said, here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is, is that we're lazy. That's very true many times, especially in regards to spiritual things. And when Elijah was suggesting by the word of the Lord to Naaman that he should go and dip in the Jordan, Naaman's pride and intellectual sensibilities were challenged. As a commander of the Syrian army, he would have had a certain self-perception of what he was willing to do and what he should be asked to do and not do. 
and he had a public reputation to maintain. Naaman, because of this, suggested other rivers in which to dip other than the Jordan. And you might have had your own suggestions of more politically correct or sanitary ways to your wholeness. But God, in his infinite love, wisdom, and goodness, is actually not looking for those suggestions. You can get offended when you're confronted with the word of the Lord, just like Naaman did. But God's prescription for healing will not change. Naaman knew that the leprosy was eating away at him, and he was desperate enough to get God's solution. God, though, to provide that solution required humility of Naaman, and he will require no less of you or of me. Now, when we talk about humility, humility looks like obedience. And if we know this to be the case, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does God actually tell us to do? Well, Jesus makes a plain. In one of his discourses on the Sermon on the Mount, a famous uh, ministry moment of Jesus during his earthly ministry, we see that he spoke about what to do to receive our healing in Matthew chapter 5. It said in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, the very thing that's bringing about the death in your soul, he says, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. And so what we're seeing here is that when there's an infection in our soul, we need to deal with it by cutting off the very source of the thing leading us perpetually into the sin, into the sickness, and into the separation from God. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is God telling you to do for healing today? Is there access to certain media outlets or apps that you need to cut off? Is there a certain toxic relationship in your life right now that you need to end? Are there certain places that you no longer need to go because you know you always end up in trouble there? Whether it be through some binge of some sort or some sort of illicit encounter. Or going back to even our original example, is there a certain type of ethnic hatred or subconscious discrimination of which you need to repent? Whatever you know God's telling you to cut off, you need to do it today for your salvation, the preservation of your relationships, and your healing in Jesus. Now, Naaman got upset when he heard things like this as a solution to his healing. And Naaman's servant had to encourage Naaman to obey in faith after Naaman was tempted to leave in a huff. And as a Christian, you need to be ready to do this for others, reminding them of God's gracious appeal. About a hundred years after Elijah, there was another Israeli prophet named Isaiah who was also talking about God's heart towards humanity that he loves and wants to save. He said this in Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What we see is that when Naaman obeyed the word of the Lord, he was healed just as Elijah said he would be, and it will be the same for us today. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the one who makes himself available to us as our great savior and healer. And Jesus is God's higher way that leads to healing. When we turn to Jesus Christ, we find true contentment because we find him to be our healer both now and in the life to come. Now, when Jesus was ministering and working supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles, he was healing people physically. He was driving demons out of people that were tormenting them and really holding them bound in the um, habits and cycles of self-destruction that they were bringing upon themselves. And we see one encounter where he was talking to a leper, not Naaman, but a nameless leper in Mark chapter one. And it said this about that encounter. It said, and the leper came to him, meaning Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he, meaning Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now we need to really dig deep in understanding what God's communicating in the scripture. First, we clearly see that Jesus said, I am willing, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you've been involved in up to this point, no matter what's taxed and had just been eating away at your life, Jesus said he's willing to touch you and make you clean. But the other thing that we need to see is that sometimes we're the ones who keep ourselves from that healing. And you might have thought to yourself, I'm untouchable because of my past mistakes and unlovable because of my habits and irretrievably condemned because of those things that I've been bound in, my sin that I just can't get over. But what we see from this scripture is that Jesus Christ says that's not true and he comes to heal. What we see is that Jesus touches the leper. Now that's easily missed, but it's an important point that he touched, physically touched the leper who would have been familiar with isolation and rejection to heal not only the physical state of the leper, but to minister deeply to his emotions and to his soul. So what that means is God can heal us physically, supernaturally, but he can also minister deeply into the internal things that all, all sometimes are the autoimmune disorders destroying our own lives. He said, I can make you a new creation by my gospel, by my word, by my spirit from the inside out. I can heal you of your spiritual leprosy. In essence, Jesus was saying to the leper, you are not too far off. I draw you near. And Jesus touches us in the very same way so that we can be healed. Now, when we 
hear this, we think about the goodness of God, but we also see all the trouble and the pain that continually surrounds us. And it's hard for us sometimes to believe that God is that good, that no matter how far I've gone or no matter what I've done, that God can still redeem my life and get a hold of me. Yet the cross of Jesus Christ is the clearest depiction of the invitation that he makes to being a healer. And in the time of the pandemic and the social unrest that has once again surfaced because of the injustices that we see, it gives us a sure confidence in God's heart to heal in the midst of all the suffering. And there was a man named Lee Strobel, who was an author who previously wrote for the Chicago Tribune, uh, who wrote a book called The Case for Faith. And in it, he was interviewing different scholars from different academic disciplines, and he was talking about reasons to believe. And he spoke with one prominent British pastor named John R. W. Stott, who acknowledged that suffering is the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith. Yet he concluded this, that I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha. His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing round his mouth, a remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after a while, I have had to turn away. And in imagination, I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. Our sufferings become more manageable in light of this, in light of his. There is still a question mark against human suffering, but over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross, which symbolizes divine suffering. The cross of Christ is God's only self-justification in such a world as ours. And so we see that when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross for us, he literally said that he was bruised and he was whipped and beaten. And by his own stripes, we can actually have healing. There's an exchange that he makes with us. On the cross, he takes the punishment for our rebellion against God, our sin against God, and gives us in its place, his righteousness gives us his right standing with the Father and also his healing. And Jesus' perfect, sinless life shows us God's higher way to truly living an abundant life. Christ's death on the cross was the foolishness that made provision for your forgiveness. And Christ's resurrection from the dead made new patterns possible and true contentment available within that reality. As we've been saying throughout this series, faith in God doesn't make things easy, but it does make things possible. And that does include your healing. So what we're to do today is repent, meaning 
turn away of our pride and whatever the Bible calls sin today. If you need to cut something off, cut it off. And in humility, turn to Jesus and his higher wisdom to be healed both now and in the life to come. Now, if you say to yourself today, you know what? I've been a Christian, but I've been struggling, trapped with patterns and habits that I feel like I just can't get over. And I know that it's causing a spiritual separation and a death in my soul. And I need God to heal me. I want to pray first for you today. And I'm going to say, Father God, I'm asking you that you would give them your grace and strength today to break yokes, strangleholds, literally, over their lives. Father, the secret sins that people have been dealing with, not only during this pandemic and the lockdown, but even before that time, God, we're praying that you would release your supernatural grace to release them and your freedom to heal them of those sins today. God, give them not only the ability to cut off that which needs to be cut off, but the great faith to walk in the freedom that you provided for them by your resurrection of the dead from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those of you who might have said to yourself, you know what? I find myself more like Naaman. I have never, I know I'm in need of healing, but I've never really come and approached God in faith, but I want to do so for my healing today. If that's you, would you join me in this prayer? Say, Father God, I admit to you that I've been far from you and that my sin and my habits have led me down destructive roads. And because of my rebellion against you, I know I deserve death and hell, but I don't want it. And I'm asking you to forgive me today. Please make me a new creation from the inside out. Forgive me my sin. I believe that you took my punishment, Jesus, on the cross, and that three days later, because you were sinless, rose from the dead so that I could have new life and eternal life in you. Help me to walk in the healing and the cleansing that you have for me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the good news is, is that you're saying, God, I want you to be my Lord, and he meets you in that place. You have new life in him, and we want you to join us at secondcitychurch.com slash newlife. There you might find resources and also information about how to take the next steps in your new relationship with God. And what we wanted to say is we are so encouraged that God's got his grace to heal each and every one of us today. No matter if we came in as a Christian or a non-Christian, his grace is sufficient for us today. And so as you go, we know that healing starts in a moment just like this, but it continues throughout our weeks, months, and years. So please, don't only join us in times like this Sunday morning service, but find a way to get connected in our community groups throughout the week, where you can continue to encourage one another to walk out that process of healing in Jesus' mighty name. So let's honor him this week. We love you. God loves you more. God bless you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks so much.